Hello folks, welcome back to the 9to5Athlete podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to episode 95. <clears throat> episode 95. Correct. I will start every podcast forever reminding myself what the episode um, number is, but uh, we are here with a solo episode this week. No guest this week. Um, back at trying to line up some new guests um, after having a few pretty successful ones on the past couple of weeks. A lot of, lot of listens on the last couple of episodes relative to what we usually get, which has been amazing. Um, <clears throat> last week we had Dara McGurn on um, and kind of discussed all things Gaelic football, um, which wasn't a subject I thought I'd be speaking about. And discussed a few other different bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, what an absolutely manic day. Um, I have been here, there and everywhere on whatever day it is. It's Wednesday, Wednesday the 7th of February that I'm uploading. Um, I've been here, there and everywhere today uh, trying to get stuff done, um, just going at 100 miles per hour because I'm going away to Manchester tomorrow at 6am um, down to Old Trafford for a seminar um, over Thursday and Friday. And um yeah, just trying to squeeze in so much work into a few days so that I can go down there and not really have to worry about work for a couple of days. But yeah, I'm sure I'll take my laptop with me just to see if I can keep things ticking along. Um, I think what else has been happening in, in, this, um, in this world? I've, I've kind of come to believe that I've got an uncanny, um, an uncanny skill to find a high-protein option within my kitchen when it seems like there are none left. Um, I walked into the kitchen today and don't know how, if, I mean, this might sound a bit a bit concerning, but um, this is actually probably going to sound really concerning when you listen to it. So I found a can of tuna, which was in date and didn't realize it was still there. Um, it was tasted fine. Wasn't any problems with it. So I got the can of tuna. There's about, what, 20-ish grams of protein. It was a, little, it was a smaller can. Then I was like, right, okay, how else do I get some more protein in here? So what I did was I got, there was a tub of rice pudding left. Um, you know, those little ambrosia rice pudding. So what I did was take the rice pudding out of the bowl, out, out of the pot, put it in a bowl, scoop a protein in there, mixed it up. Boom, Bob's your uncle. I've got about 45 grams of protein in a meal. There was obviously, it wasn't just a can of tuna and a, and a tub of rice pudding. But when you don't have time to go to the shops and you need a high protein option, I will find it for you. I could find one on the Gaza. No, sorry, that's probably not appropriate, right? Uh, but I was a way to say I would find one on the Gaza Strip, but not appropriate to speak about right now. Um, yeah, probably not. Let's not, let's not go there. Um, let's just say I could find you one anywhere in a desert somewhere. I would find you a high protein um, something or other. Anyway, sometimes I'm like, where, where where do we? How do we get to these subjects? Um, and quickly, just to highlight our sponsor, Colin M. Smiths, the local electrical appliance retailer in Forfar, Kerry Muir, and Ardroth. I um, almost forgot there again. I actually just went in and bought a washing machine. Not a washing machine, shut up, a fridge freezer. I went and bought a fridge freezer the other day because mine's was absolutely kaput. Um, the fridge had stopped working and you don't realise, well, I suppose you do realise, it's quite an obvious thing that you need in your house. But see, with the fridge not working for like three days, what a fucking inconvenience that was. Um, 
I literally had to keep going through to, I mean, it's not such an inconvenience when you have another fridge. I've got a little fridge which sits in one of the cupboards, which simply holds like the most, the weirdest things. What it's got in there is it's got like about 30 non-alcoholic beers because I think, I'm thinking I'm obviously like doing dry January. I'll grab some of these non-alcoholic beers, see how, see how they are, but they're all shit. So like the fridge is just packed with them. I should really throw them out. It's got a couple of other things in there, a couple of cans of Coke, um, a crate of Stella. So I've been using that. And anyway, the inconvenience, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, of having to walk to the other side of the house, to the fridge and back, just to get a carton of milk, was winding me up very quickly. So I was swiftly into calling M. Smith's for a new fridge freezer, and the guys came and installed it, um, came and brought it up the spiral staircase very promptly. So yeah, top guys, and they're our sponsor. Would you... Would you not know? Um, so on to the actual subject of the podcast. I will stop blethering absolute garbage. Garbage? Oh, definitely <laughs> blethering garbage. I can't even say garbage. Um, the podcast episode today. What have I even titled it? I don't even know. I've not even got a title for this one. But I think it goes somewhere along the lines of how to stop getting injured, you silly goose. Um, or generally just how to stop getting injured. You don't really need to add the goose bit at the end. But... Um, how to stop getting injured. <clears throat> Firstly, disclaimer, not a physio, not a kind of whatever other thing, a sports masseuse, not a sports therapist, not qualified within that. And there are people that if you want to really target a particular injury, um, if you have a problem, if you have a if your ACL is gone, if you've got plantar fasciitis, if you've got pain under your knees, if you've got a sore shoulder, if you've got a really creaky neck, I am not about to give you the fix. I am not about to fix your injury. I am not about to tell you how to rehab any of these injuries. I'm not about to tell you what massage gun you should be using. I'm not about to tell you how to <clears throat> how to make sure um, that you will recover in six weeks' time. I'm not here to give you any quick fixes. What I am here to do as I'm here to give you um, strength training, in-gym training, um, on-pitch, nutritional, lifestyle um, interventions that you can use to stop these things happening before they actually happen. And the main thing with an injury as well is, is that like you can never guarantee that you'll not... You can, there is no injury prevention exercise that is 100% proven to stop that injury happening. Any injury can happen at any time, but what you can do is you can lower the percentage chance of injuries happening. And there's another kind of thought process that I have around this as well is that, that sometimes you need to pick your pick your pain, um, because whatever sport you do, whatever activity you do, you're undoubtedly probably going to have some degree of pain, some degree of injury, some degree of setback when it comes to doing that sport. And I think people just think they should be injury free constantly. Like if you decide to be a runner, you're going to have some injuries. You're going to have some um, foot, ankle, Achilles, calf related niggles and injuries along the way. Um, you're going to have some o overloading injuries along the way where you maybe do too much too soon and you get a bit of pain. Like pain is part of it. You're going to have some pain at some point. So don't think that you're going to be pain free. And anyone that says to you, here is the here's the guide to pain-free exercise. Here's the guide to pain-free football performance. The amount of footballers that play with injections, that play with ibuprofen, that play with codeine, tramadol, absolutely stacked up to the 
to their neck in it is is unbelievable. I'm sure rugby players are probably the same. Um, but the, I know so many footballers that are playing on like painkillers every single week. I'm luckily not one of them just now, but I'm sure when you get to like the age of like 37, 38, I'm sure you probably need them more often than than you will now. Um, so don't chase pain-free because pain-free is not something that you'll be able to live your whole football career, rugby career, gym career, running career, whatever it is that you do. You'll never be able to live pain-free forever. There are going to be a degree of niggles. But what I'm here to do is help you lower the chance of these things happening because there are some things that you don't need to be an expert to figure it out. You don't need to be an expert to point things out. If some, if I see someone in my football team or someone that I know constantly getting injured and it just keeps happening and happening and happening, um, like let's have a scan of the basic stuff first and see if anything's missing there. And if you're covering all the bases when it comes to the basic stuff, the stress management, the nutrition, the strength training, the hydration, um, the sleep, Then, and you're still then getting those injuries, okay, yeah, then you probably need to make sure that you are going to see an expert. Um, and something that I will also highlight as well is that I've like recently got a really good physio um, and <clears throat> get a physio that understands your sport, get a physio that has experience with treating people within um, that environment that maybe works with a team. If you're a footballer, get someone that understands football. Or if you like going to the gym, get a physio that understands the gym, that actually goes to the gym themselves. I 100% believe this. Don't get me wrong, there are loads of great physios out there that probably don't train, um, and I'm not battering you right now. But if you are someone, and I say the same about personal trainers, like if you are um, telling people to do one particular thing for their health or for their fitness or for their injuries, and you're not doing it yourself, then there's something going on there, something missing. Um, but I'm not on here to kind of call people out or anything like that. It's not really the style of this podcast. So you can't see what's in front of me right now, but I'm about to describe a meme to you. So it's, oh my God, I'm way to out myself here as, no, don't get me wrong. It's Chandler and Phoebe off of Friends. I, I've never really watched Friends religiously. I'm not one of these super fans, but it's Chandler and Phoebe. I know as much as that. And Phoebe is asking Chandler, but it does, you can imagine this as anyone. Is they, they didn't actually, uh, to be fair, maybe I missed that episode of Friends when they were speaking about deadlifts, but um, I don't think it happened. So Phoebe goes, how did your deadlifts go? And Chandler goes, I hurt my back. I think my deadlifts might be too dangerous. How many times have you heard that, by the way? I think deadlifts are dangerous for my lower back. And she says, wow, did you do anything different? And he says, yeah, I added more weight than I'm used to. So she says, oh, so it might have been a load management issue, not a deadlift issue. He says, no, I think my form's just not good enough. I need to regress to something easier. Phoebe goes, maybe you should just do lighter deadlifts to build tolerance. And he says, no, I'll probably just do a bunch of sensory-based posterior chain exercises until I feel better, only to hurt my back again when I try to jump back into deadlifting with the same weight I injured it with the first time. This is the premise of pretty much 95% of injuries within the gym. It's not a case of your form's terrible. It's not a case of you haven't done the right warm-up exercises. It's not a case of you haven't magically activated your glutes or you haven't activated your TL35782 ligament or something like that. Obviously made that one up in case you hadn't guessed. Um, it's typically because the force applied exceeds tissue tolerance. I'm going to say this a million times today. The force applied exceeds 
tissue tolerance. Um, remember that. So, I have just had a very um, frustrating um, breakdown of my uh, of my presentation right now, where I have everything written down. I'm not I'm not reading off of a script right now, but I have something that um, I usually use, and it has completely disappeared right now. So I've lost my train of thought, but it, it is coming back. I can see it loading. Um, something that's really interesting, especially for the footballers in the room, is there is this website called premierinjuries.com slash injury slash table dot php and you can actually go on english english premier league injury table and you can see every single one of each team's injuries in a load of detail um so let me jump on a team that everyone knows everyone knows these so arsenal have seven injuries right now um it's actually i don't know maybe i only found this interesting but it says Julian Timber, he's obviously got an ACL injury and then it's got a little note at the moment. He's still very far away from competing. That's the reality of it. We're hopeful that he can have an impact at the end of the season if everything goes well. It looks like there's a chance that that might happen. And it has his potential return written down here as well. Um, Bakai Osaka, um, he should be fine. I think he got a kick, I think, on the ankle or the back of his foot. He should be fine. It's, just, it's quite funny. Like, it just highlights all the injuries that these players have. Um, let's see what team has the least injuries. Wolverhampton Wanderers have only got two injuries. Actually, you know what? They've got no injuries because he, uh, Chan, that's at the Asia Cup, and then Bubakar Traore, who's at the African Cup of Nations, they've not got any injuries. Um, so they must be doing something right in the the SNC room. Um, or, or they're just lucky. Sometimes that's how injuries work. Sometimes you could have been doing everything, everything right, everything can be going swiftly to plan, or something may be going wrong um, with your training or lack of training. So types of injuries. <clears throat> now, when it comes to football players, we know that typically football players, and again, I can speak like from my own experience, seeing the guys around me, the injuries that tend to happen are ankles, hamstrings, groins, and then knee injuries. Um, knee injuries tend to be slightly more on the severe side and um, when you're talking about ACLs and MCLs, medial collateral ligaments and um, anterior collateral ligaments. Um, we know, we've heard of these now, um, like loads of people. You'll probably know someone that's had an injury like this and it can set you back quite a long time. Um, and a lot of players will come back with um, just not the same confidence and not the same strength slash power in their legs. Um, ankles, again, pretty common one, hammies, groins, like frustrating injuries. When it comes to runners, you've got, I'm doing this thing again where I've forgotten if I'm recording or not, but I'm definitely recording. Runners, um, yeah, God, like the injuries you can get from like running, like um, IT band syndrome, back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis, uh, piriformis syndrome, Achilles tendonitis, um, tibial stress, like the, it's essentially just like shin splints, um, hamstrings, train, tendinopathy, tend, tendinopathy, I can't say it, oh my God, I'm just going to leave that one, um, tendinopathy, I'm, ten, yeah, never mind, um, just because I can't speak, gym bros, people that train in the gym, um, the most common ones, like rotator cuff injuries, like shoulder injuries, like how many times have you heard of someone having a shoulder injury because the bench pressed silly, and yeah, there's heaps of different injuries you can get. Obviously, you can get some totally random injuries that are like unexplainable, and you're like, how did this happen? For example, I uh, injured my neck last season because I landed on it. 
you can't really account for that when it comes to your training and your rehab. Like how many people do you know, unless they're like a boxer or like a mixed martial artist that are training their neck? As a footballer, I didn't think I needed to train my neck um, to, to stop myself landing on it. But there I was, midair, landed on it and really couldn't turn my neck for like three, day, three days. Three days fully and then like a couple of weeks it was stiff and it still has this little bit of stiffness to it. Um, but I am an absolute heat of the box. So I'm not surprised that that ended up happening. Um, so when it comes to actual type of injuries, when I'm talking about how you categorize these, they're pretty, this is two pretty broadly categorized kinds. So you get acute injuries, so which can happen suddenly. Like it wasn't something that you felt coming on. But then you get chronic injuries, which are usually related to like overuse and they develop gradually over time. Like in some cases, it could be like, it could be actually then wear and tear from an acute injury. Like say, for example, like you went over your ankle and then you kind of never noticed it for a while. But then what you do is you are compensating by running a little bit different um, on that ankle. And over time, you give it three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. You're like, I've really got this ankle pain and just now when it keeps flaring up again, that could be an acute injury, which then causes this chronic injury over time. Um, you've obviously got things like actually like fractures, stress, stress fractures, growth plate fractures, dislocation, which are not great. Um, sprains, strains, tendonitis, um, various different things. Um, and yeah, I'm sure that you will have had varying different injuries in your time. Um, and they're not nice. There's none of them that are nice. Some are just not quite as bad as others. Um, yeah, there's a whole list of different stuff here. Um, I'm not going to go like through everything. Um, I think I would probably bore, bore the life out of you, but um, you've probably felt one of the things I've described before. And for some of these injuries, there are preventative strategies that you can put in place. Um, for some of them, there's not really much you can do about it. Um, but there's a good justification that I think explains the whole thing. And I'll say it again, I said it before already, the force applied exceeds tissue tolerance. Now, this can mean two things. So if the force applied within, let's say a tackle, for example, some absolute heed the ball comes running through you um, and tackles you knee high. And if his studs come at a fast enough pace into your knee, there are maybe not many knees that have the tissue tolerance to resist against that. Therefore, you may do your ACL. I know people will probably be cringing right now thinking about that. Or you can think about that in a different way. This what I talked about earlier with the um, with the chronic injury. So the force applied exceeds tissue tolerance. This can be over time. So this can be like, for example, I used to remember I had Oshkud Schlatter when I was younger. So when I was like 12, 13, 14, I had Oshkud Schlatter which is essentially, um, in the simplest form I could explain it, is literally, it's almost like a swelling underneath your knee, which causes like a lot of pain. Um, and if I remember right, it's something to do with the muscle within your leg growing quicker than the bone. So it's a lot, it happens a lot in growing teenagers, um, and it was super painful. But how I flared that up was because of overuse the force applied exceeds the tissue tolerance. So I was doing PE about four times a week. I was playing football about five times a week. I was playing basketball. I was playing this after school club. I was doing this, that, and everything. 
my body was not getting enough time to recover. Therefore, this is how this injury came on. Um, if I stopped doing as much, obviously I was a child. I was a child who loved sport. I was I kept wanting to do more and more and more, but my muscle, my body wasn't giving itself enough time to recover. Therefore, I kept getting that pain. And there's a nice little justification, not a justification, like a definition of this here. The cause of an acute sports injury is is a force of impact that is greater than the body part can withstand. So that's an acute sports injury. Well, a chronic injury is typically due to repeating the same motion over and over again. Sometimes overuse injuries can degrade tissues and joints and set the stage for an acute injury. Essentially just what I've explained. Um, so how to stop getting injured is obviously the title of the podcast. But first of all, why are you getting injured? Like try to see if you can find yourself in these categories. Um, overuse or overload is number one. So overuse or overload is very much the... I'm, I'm not going to quote myself on this, but I, I feel like I, I, ha I haven't got the statistics in front of me, but I would imagine it's very much one of the most um, common traits of why people get injured. Um, you hear Pop, Pop, <laughs> Pop, that's a new name, Pop Guardiola, Pep and Jurgen Klopp complaining about it all the time, the amount of games that their players have to play. And they've got a point because a lot of their players get injured when they're trying to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and they're playing all these games and it's causing overload, overuse injuries. Um, and that's why you're seeing loads of these injuries. And that's a lot of the kind of sports um, physios and stuff like that within these teams are putting these injuries down to the overloading of players again i used the example before like callum mcgregor that plays for celtic i'm pretty sure last season played 60 odd games or something like that in a season which is a pretty crazy amount um but then sometimes when you think about that then you think about basketballers like basketballers play like what is it like about three three games in about five days or something like that's probably even more i also found out as well at the weekend that ice hockey teams now i know ice hockey is a different sport but ice hockey teams will play on a saturday and then play straight away again on a Sunday. Like the Dundee Stars played, I was just someone was just explaining it to me. They played uh, Guildford, which is like way down south. They played against Guildford on a Saturday, which is down like London direction, I think. Um, and then played in Belfast on the Sunday. I was like, what? Like they played one game on a Saturday and then one game on a Sunday. I know nothing about ice hockey. I don't know how many players are on a team. I don't know like how taxing a game is, but that seems mental. Um, so footballers can stop complaining. Ice hockey players need to play two games in two days, barely even in like 20 hours. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, overuse overload is a very common one. If you are doing too much, putting too much strain on, on those joints, putting too much strain on those muscles, injuries can happen. Um, a really fine example of this is I put my dartboard up about a year and a half ago today. Um, and got really excited because I had a new dartboard. So I was like, I'm going to play loads of darts. I was just throwing darts, throwing darts, throwing darts, throwing darts. Two hours went by. Got to my bed at night, woke up in the morning. I was like, wow, fucking hell, my hand is so sore. Like my hand and my like my wrist and the the um my bicep, the the top of my bicep which connects to the forearm, um, was really sore. And I was like, why why is this really sore? And it's like because I've just overused it. My body is not used to throwing darts. It's not used to that repetitive motion. Um, therefore, when I go and do it for two hours straight, my body's like, ow, that is sore. You've overused that. 
if I was to keep doing that, and keep doing that, and keep doing that, and keep doing that, and keep doing that for hours and hours and hours, I'd probably get something like tennis elbow or something. I know tennis elbow doesn't, it's not able to decipher if you're playing tennis or playing darts, by the way, in case anyone thinks, don't you only get that from tennis? Um, no, you can get that from anything that involves a repetitive arm swing. Um, so yeah, that was really sore. And that was like a real, I mean, if you play bowling as well for the first time in ages, you get that same kind of feeling within your hand. Um, too much, too soon. This is the same kind of idea as overuse overload. So too much, too soon. Think of this example. It's a really simple one. You walk into the gym on day one of the gym and you go up to the bench press. And what you do is you load on 320s either side um, and you are going to just go for it for one rep. That bench press, unless you're some sort of like freak of nature, child of like thought or something like that, you will get squashed by that bench press. It's too much. It's too soon. You won't be able to do it. And the good thing about weights is weights will tell you when you can't lift them because gravity will pull them down to the ground um, and you will quite quickly find out that that's too heavy. However, with repetitive actions such as like football or such as running, um, such as just generally being pretty active, it won't tell you because you can kind of always go for another little extra run. You can kind of always play an extra game of football because you get kind of sucked into the adrenaline of it. You can always take another step but you can't always do another rep because it's sometimes too heavy. So what people do is they they do too much too soon. They maybe went from like, and this is an example I see all the time. So little Charlie wants to go and start running. I don't know why little Charlie was the one I thought about. Charlie wants to go running and he goes, right, right, coach. I want to do three runs a week, three gym sessions, and then I'm going to go on the bike at the weekend, and then I'm going to go swimming on Sunday. So this is Charlie who's went from doing nothing to now doing all of that. And I love his enthusiasm. I love how keen he is. But he has to understand that he has to overload that over time, progressively increase the amount of volume that he's doing over time, or else he risks not just injury, but he also risks burnout. And it's fine to be keen. It's fine to want to do lots, but you need to increase your tolerance over time. Um, you cannot just go and do it all because you will get injured or you will get burnt out. And if you don't get injured and you get burnt out, then you might get injured because burnout very often leads to injury as well. Um, another factor would be improper rehab. Like if you've been injured, like a serious injury, not even a serious injury, and you've done absolutely no rehab, all you've done is just go, right, I'm going to go back onto the pitch. I'm just going to go and run again. And you've not actually like strengthened that problem that broke down before. Guess what's going to happen further down the line if you're unlucky? Maybe you maybe don't even need to be unlucky. It's going to happen again. How many times have you had the phone call? And again, I'm probably speaking to footballers more than anyone here. All right, son, you ready? Are you okay to play this weekend? We're really needing you, mate. We're really needing you. Like, really needing a player to play this weekend. Can you please come and play? And you go, uh, 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 yeah, okay. Roy, Roy Hodgson this week, this week, or was it just last week? Michael Olise, like. Crystal Palace have probably got all the sports scientists in the world. They've probably got the best physios. They've probably got guys that are getting paid tons a week to make these decisions. And I feel as though what's happened there, maybe I'm getting into the nitty-gritty of football right now, but I feel like he's went, Michael, we need you because we're getting dragged into a relegation battle. He put him on for 10 minutes and then he came hobbling off, injured again. That's improper rehab. That's too, that's too much too soon for him. He wasn't really... Um, 
training problems. So why, again, remember, we're talking about why, why are you getting injured right now? In case anyone lost track of where we were, I was beginning to lose track of what I was talking about there. Um, your training problems may be that you are training, um, you're training differently to the demands of the activity that you want to do. So if you are a footballer, this is a very common one. If you are a footballer or you are a runner, but all you are doing is training like a bodybuilder, um, what can happen is you can adapt, adapt to the demands of the bodybuilding training, but that doesn't always, don't get me wrong, there's benefits to it and there's, there's downsides and upsides to this. But if all you do is do like hack squats to failure and all you're doing is like really slow, labored, like leg press and leg extensions and absolutely hammering your legs, and then you go to try and run at the weekend, um, you may find that you're not training to the demands of your sport. Um, I don't mind like footballers and and like runners and stuff like that training their upper body like like a bodybuilder. That's fine if you want to have big pecs and you want to have big arms. That's fine, but there needs to be a intention behind your lower body training because you want to be functional. So I've seen it a lot of times where like you get young guys who are training like bodybuilders but trying to play amateur junior football at the weekend and feeling slow and sluggish. I mean, I'm number one example of that. I used to Romanian deadlift the absolute shit out of my body on a Thursday and then turn up on a Saturday um, and wonder why I felt like I was running through mud because I wasn't training like an athlete. I was training like a bodybuilder tra trying to build massive hamstrings. But guess what? Like massive hamstrings, okay, partially beneficial to football. But if you're absolutely hammering yourself um, and then trying to play football on a Saturday, it's no wonder that you feel fatigued. Um, next point is fatigue and lifestyle factors, um, which come down to things like nutrition, sleep, hydration, um, how much you're sat on your arse, um, general general life stresses, um, how much screen time you have. Like if all that's in the absolute bin, you heighten your chances of getting injured. If you don't sleep well at night ever, if you don't care about your sleep, you don't care about your nutrition, you're not getting enough protein, you're not drinking enough water, guess what? The chance of you getting injured goes sky high. Um, sleep is probably the main one. Um, when you're sleeping, you're literally allowing your brain to recover. You're, your brain is the thing that helps you make sound motor choices. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right phrase here. Um, like your motor control of your body is literally the way it moves, the coordination. If you don't allow your brain to recover overnight, your coordination, your control of your body is not going to be as good. Um, there are a good few studies out there that um, can connect bad sleep towards injuries. Um, I think there's one that was done with like lack of sleep in relation to um, ACL injuries. Um, more chance of ACL injuries if you're not sleeping well because coordination goes down. Also, inflammation of the body will be heightened if you have not slept well as well. It comes down to the same as well. Like if you're eating well and you're hydrating well, you're going to lower all these inflammatory markers within the body, therefore, um, meaning that there's less chance of you getting injured. And ignorance is the last one. Ignorance, running through the pain on pure Goggins mode. Like, how many runners do you see doing this? Goggins, in his book, speaks about the fact that Yo, man, I'm fucking jacked up. I'm a, my fucking, I don't know why I'm trying his accent, but he's like, my fucking knees are jacked up. I'm not fucking running. I'm still running. Fucking who's going to carry the boat, man? Like, just like, mate, calm down. Calm down. None of us want to run through like broken ankles and stuff like that. We're, we're actually quite like our ankles, but we're probably going to stop running if our ankles broken. We're probably going to stop running. 
if we feel like we're broken in half. Obviously, there's an aspect of like mental resilience that we need to have, but ignorance of injury. Um, I've known fucking remember. Oh God, I, I feel like this is like a football trivia podcast now. Remember Abuya Kowasi that played for Celtic? He came on for I think he was on for about ten minutes against Rangers. Did his ACL and then took on two boys like they weren't even there and then came off again. It was this kind of Celtic career in a nutshell. Um, you can play through this shit, shit, but you shouldn't. Like you're just gonna make it worse. Like there's an aspect of mental resilience, but you don't want to make things worse. So. Here is the solution to your injuries right now. Um, ashwagandha, Lumispa, turmeric, massage guns, spiky mats. Um, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to just go to the, you're going to get a sports massage and that's going to make everything okay? This is the problem here. So, people will have these problems, have these injuries, and they will instantly go towards the quick fix. Let me go and see. Let me go and get a massage on it, and that'll be fine because that I'll, before my game, I'll go down, I'll get a massage, and I'll feel brand new afterwards. That's what that's people's first choice, the first place that they're going to go. Get me a massage, get me an ice bath. Is there a supplement that I can take? Oh, maybe I'll just foam roll. Maybe I'll just stretch. Maybe I'll just use this like fancy supplement. Guess what? That is the one percent thing that you can do. Like that is the icing on the cake after you've addressed all the other things. And I have a little phrase here that I quite like. You can't ice bath your way past five hours sleep a night and a rustler's burger. If your diet consists of Fanta ice blasts and rustler's burgers and packets of crisps, guess what? That's the place to start. Your nutrition, your sleep, and actually getting in the gym and building tissue tolerance building tissue tolerance around the injury that you currently have or currently don't have, but you don't want to have. Um, that's the main place to start. It's actually becoming resilient to these injuries through training. And yes, okay, training on the pitch is fine and well, um, and that will help you. Stretching, fine and well. Mobility work, fine and well. Sports massage, fine and well. But if you want to actually improve tissue tolerance so that these injuries don't happen again, you need to train in the gym. And I'm so reluctant to say this. Every time I say it, I get injured. Um, I said it a year and a half ago, and I was like, I've not been injured all season. I've played every single game. And guess what happened the week after? I got fucking injured. Um, however, you know what? I'm actually not saying it. You know what I'm going to say, but I'm not saying it. I will jinx myself. I don't even believe in that kind of jinxing doo-doo shit, but I'm not saying it. I'm just not saying it out loud. Um, so, yeah, like there are certain training protocols and there are nutrition protocols and there are I would just like sleeping less alcohol like those are the things that are going to return the highest investment when it comes to like being resilient to injuries and people don't want to hear that because it's boring like people want to say oh, what's this new pure sport like freeze roll thing that I can put on my knees and what's this like what's this supplement I can take to help me um, recover better and let me jump in my Lumi spa like you can go in the ice bath all you want, but if you're eating like shit and you're not sleeping, then yeah, injuries are still going to just be the, they're, they're going to be a problem. There are some outliers within this whole thing. There are some people that will go their whole career with no injuries. There are some people that will just get by with steak and gravy pies and cans of monster. And you just go, how the fuck do they do it? Like there are so many people like within junior football, you're like, they're playing until they're 40, barely ever had an injury, and they just get by. And you're like, 
how do you do it? And sometimes I don't even know what if I want to call it luck. I want to call it genetics. I don't know what I want to call it. The, the right conditions falling into place without them even knowing it. Um, my pal Strong, shout out to Strong. Um, we did a half marathon two weeks ago and he had a steak and gravy pie mid-half marathon, ran into a shop, got a can of rye, a bottle of, not whatever you want to call it, a carton of Ribena um, and a steak and gravy pie and just kept running. Like some people just, it just like sports nutrition and that just doesn't matter to them. Like sometimes there are outliers within this who just get by and I'm not sure how, but they do it. Um, you may be one of them. Here's one that you hear all the time which is interesting and it backs up my point and I like backing up my point. I like proving my point through, through research. Have you ever heard the one, my hamstrings are so tight? Like, Oh my God, my hamstrings are so tight. I need to stretch my hamstrings because they're so tight. Um, muscle tightness is, is a signal, not a problem. Um, and what I mean by that is like sometimes people will will feel will feel tightness and they'll think, oh my God, I need to stretch the shit out. Like this is where people mostly go. They need I need to stretch more rather than I need to get strong. Muscle tightness is a signal to tell your body that you're overloading it. Like it's done a bit of work. I'm not saying you're overloading it in a bad sense. I'm saying that in the sense of it's tired. It's done quite a lot of work. And in short, like, does stretching actually work when it comes to actually, like, curing things like tight hamstrings, um, curing things like tight glutes, tight hips? Um, not really. Like, um, it's a short-term fix. Like, stretching, static stretching is a short-term fix for a larger problem that floats in the background. I, I, again, I'll use the example of hamstrings. Tons of footballers have tight hamstrings, tight glutes, tight lower back, tight calves. And as I said, it is the signal. It's not the problem. The problem is you do not have, again, the tissue tolerance is not there. You need to get stronger. You need to work on your glute strength. You need to work on your posterior strength. You need to work on your hamstring strength. Um, and if there was a cure, if there was a particular cure for this, it would be strength training. And I'm going to keep going on about it and going on about it and going on about it. It is strength training, is the cure to tightness. It's the cure to what you think is you just need to stretch. Um, so yeah, start simple. Start really, really simple. Um, think about first and foremost, am I drinking? And again, I people will get really bored of me saying this. I think I say it on every podcast. Are you drinking enough water? If you're not drinking enough water, start there. Um, your body is just going to be better at recovering, better at flushing out inflammation and toxins from your body um are you walking are you sat on your arse all day at work um getting a stand-up desk was one of the best things that i did for tightness and soreness like actually moving within the day and um, sleep again goes without saying like just if you're sleeping well like everything is going to be better um allostatic load stress stress management allostatic load is essentially just referring to like the overall load that you put through your body on a daily basis this could be mental and physical um, just imagine a cup and imagine the cup has a little um, a little tap that drips out very slowly throughout the day so um, that tap is turned on heavier overnight when you sleep and it releases all the stress when you wake up the next morning you fill that cup back up with stress 
sometimes what happens is you fill it up too much with too much mental and physical stress and it overflows. And that's where you have like things like extreme tiredness, burnout, like fatigue, injuries, um, essentially a lot of the same word in a different way. Um, and you need to have control over how much of you, how much you fill and you need to have a good emptying process. Like you have to have good sleep and good nutrition to make sure that that cup empties and you've got a large enough capacity to deal with more stress. Um, overall load management as well. Like, are you doing too much? One of the best things people can sometimes do, like if they are really busy and they are doing a lot of working out and they are playing a lot of football, is actually just like giving themselves a little bit of extra rest or just doing some like some really light cardio one night. Like that can really help. Um, on to the next page, please. Um, so once you've kind of hit the lifestyle factors, water, walking, sleep, stress management, load management, um, your general lifestyle, you then may want to think about training so how do we prevent injuries through training through warm-ups through the things that we do in the gym and um, so what the warm-up is a very big um is a very big nuanced thing like it's a very very up for interpretation and argument um across the board over the past oh god i don't know i think we've been speaking about this for like 40 years i haven't not over 40 although it may look like sometimes i am um warming up now the thing about warm-ups is that like people get obsessed with right, okay, I need to do 20, 30 minutes of warming up. I need to make sure that this isn't tight, that isn't tight, this isn't and people again waste time in the gym doing too much warm-up when what they should be doing is again building strength. The warm-up is obviously important and you should be taking your lower body. I mean, it depends what sport you're thinking about, upper body, lower body. If I'm thinking about a footballer, I want to take my lower body through all the different ranges of motion that I'm going to be getting into. You want it to be quite specific to the actual like thing that you're about to do. Um, if I'm warming up for football, I will make sure that I do a bit of dynamic stretching, leg swings, opening up my hips, uh, knee drives, jumping, pogos, landing, um, making sure my body's also warm as well, especially if it's cold. Like you're more chance of you're more chance of getting injured if it's cold. Um, so just making sure you get the temperature up, but making sure you also and get yourself into all these different ranges of motion. Um, and yeah, like that goes without saying. It's the same in the gym. Like don't waste too much time on warm-ups, but make sure that you are going through the ranges of motion that you're about to go through within that session. Um, stability and tissue tolerance. Again, I'll say it again. I'll, I'll say it once, I'll say it three times, say it four times, five times. Tissue tolerance is important. Like overall, like just general strength training. Um, stability, like if you are doing an exercise and you are absolutely all over the place, like wobbling about like a, a chicken on one leg, like I'm pretty sure chickens can stand on one leg anyway. So maybe a bad example, but I've seen lots, I see lots of chickens standing on one leg out in, out in Forfa. I'm just see, I don't know what I'm even on about now. To be fair, I used to live next to a farm. So I see chickens every now and again, just in case you were wondering, I, I knew you were probably wondering that if Ryan has seen a chicken in his lifetime, I have. Um, so yeah, stability. Um, if you're doing a split squat and you've got two 20 kilogram dumbbells either side, but you're wobbling about like hell, um, take the load down, work on that stability. Because stability um, in unilateral positions, aka in one leg, one arm positions, is going to be really helpful for working on your balance, working on your strength. Um, and in turn, that's very helpful when it comes to playing sport and when it comes to like running when it comes to anything really 
Um, moving through a solid range of motion. If you do a squat and you can only get two inches into it um, and you just can't move within a squat, that's going to be something to work on because if you can't get your arse down past a couple inches and your squat looks like that, then there's a good chance that when you jump into a athletic environment within a sport, then if you try to get into that position, you're going to be limited. Strength, as I said, just strength goes without saying. Um, getting into the actual gym. like If you are a junior footballer, if you are a runner, if you are a swimmer, if you are a boxer and you're not in the gym, you are missing out. Um, so to finish off, I don't want to keep you... I don't want to keep rabbiting on too much here. The, the most important thing that I've highlighted in this is if you can go from no strength training to doing some strength training, you are on to something. Even if it's one session a week, even if it's two sessions a week, doing something is going to give you the biggest return of investment possible. Other than stretching, other than foam rolling, other than just random little bits and pieces, sporadic like mobility sessions and you sporadically bring the massage gun out. That's fine. Like that's going to give you like one day relief. What you really want to be able to do is get into the gym and do some strength work. And remember, it's about building the bricks. It's like trying to build a house without scaffolding. Like if you try to up your load and do more and more and more and more running, more and more and more football, more and more and more swimming without building the scaffolding around it things will look great to start off with because you'll be like well i'm doing more and more and more but if you try to build a house without scaffolding there's more chance that things are going to fall down there's more chance that things are going to be unstable um so be patient build the scaffold behind you and things will maybe stay in place um so lifestyle factors think about them first and foremost stop thinking about the massage guns and the foam rollers and the ice baths and the supplements Get in the gym. Like that is all I'm saying. Get in the gym. Do some work. Whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the fanciest session in the world. Get in the gym. I think that's all for me today. That was just essentially just a rant about the same thing over and over again. But hopefully that has made things loud and clear for you. If you are suffering from injuries and you're not doing any of this stuff, then start. 